Good morning, church. How you guys doing? <laughs> I forgot I was in that video for a second, so I was like getting up here, like mentally preparing, and then all of a sudden I'm talking to myself. That was that was weird. But um, uh, good morning. Uh, I am so excited to be up here with you guys. Um, and so I'm not usually down here, so I hope I get this right. But if it's okay with you guys, I'd love to do our little shout this morning. <laughs> so, all right. I love God and I love you. Wow, you guys are awesome. Thank you. Uh, so like Pastor Sam said, this is actually my first time preaching to people that are over the age of 12. So uh, uh, we'll see how this goes. I'm, I'm definitely excited, but uh, a little nervous as well. Um, but first, I want to say welcome back, Thailand team. Um, we are so glad that you guys are back with us. Um, watching that video was awesome, and I got to talk with you, some of you guys this morning, and that was super cool. Um, I know Pastor Sam said he's doing all right, but I now have the fun job of trying to keep them all awake because I'm sure they're exhausted. <laughs> um, some of you might remember I went to Greece uh, uh, just about a year ago on a missions trip. And before I came back to the States, I stopped in Germany for a little bit uh, to visit some of my family there. And my first night there, I was so tired. I'm sure I slept like 11 or 12 hours straight. And so I slept right through breakfast, and they probably had a late lunch because of me. And I'm sure my family was like, why did he come all this way just to sleep the whole time? But it is what it is, and uh, welcome back, Thailand team. Uh, we're so glad you're here, even though I'm sure it was probably a bit of a sacrifice getting up this morning. Um, but let's start out with a word of prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this church and the wonderful people who are a part of it. Thank you for bringing our missionaries who went to Thailand back safely. And thank you for the experiences that they got to have there. Please be with us this morning as we try to draw closer to you, and in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So, as you saw from our video, today we are continuing our sermon series on blessers. And as I was preparing for this message, and since it was Father's Day last week, I was reminded of the story about my dad. Um, if you don't know, my dad actually passed away two years ago. Uh, but he left behind a really powerful legacy for me and my family, of what it means to bless the lives of other people. He always seemed to know exactly what other people in his life needed and was always going out of his way to make sure that those needs were met. In my own life, I knew that I could always talk to him about anything and ask him any questions I had. Um, and he definitely might not have always known the answer to the question, but he definitely knew the questions to ask me so that I could figure it out for myself. Uh, whenever a friend or family member needed a hand, he was always there to help out. Uh, he was always helping my sister and I with homework, and um, he was a computer programmer by trade, so I remember he'd always end up at our uncle's house fixing any email problem or virus that was downloaded this month. But uh, he served on the usher and accounting teams um, at our church growing up, and uh, my dad just had this gentle manner about him. Um, just the way he interacted with people, that no one could ever stay mad at him. Uh, the family members that I mentioned before, uh, the ones I stayed with in Germany, um, they're all from his side of the family, and there's a lot of family over there. I don't even really know them all. He has like four full siblings and a stepbrother and a couple half-siblings and um, more cousins than I can count. And uh, I'm sure anyone with a large and uh, somewhat broken family can imagine. There was a bit of family drama at times, right? People would cut each other out, and they wouldn't get along. But the person no one 
could ever be mad at was my dad. Um, there was just something about the way he treated people and how he was always there for anyone who needed it. Uh, none of them were really Christian, as far as I know, but that wasn't because of a lack of effort on my dad's part. Uh, he witnessed to like every single one of them, but they're a bit of a st stubborn bunch, so I don't think it ever really stuck with any of them. But they still love my dad regardless. I think if anyone else had tried to witness to them, they would have shut them out immediately. But with my dad, they still respected him, even if they couldn't agree. And so his death a few years ago was the climax of a couple really hard years for my family. Uh, without getting too into it right now, my dad had lost his job when I was in junior high, and there was all this stuff going on that prevented him from ever getting a stable job again. The result of that was, from then on, my family was always short on money. We ended up having to move to a few different places because we kept not being able to afford where we were living. Uh, we had so many financial problems to worry about, and I know it must have created a ton of stress for my dad, but he never really showed it. And I share all this because there's this situation that I remember really vividly, and it's a super simple moment. I don't know why it's stuck so well, but uh, towards the end of my time in high school, I started becoming really good friends with this girl in my class, and um, she was going through a hard couple of years as well. Um, her parents weren't really in the picture, and she was being raised by her grandma and had some other siblings being raised uh, in other households. And um, she was dealing with a lot of uh, personal issues, like depression and stuff like that. And there was just a ton of hard stuff that my friend was having to deal with. And so, as I did with most problems that I had, I, I went to my dad and I just started talking to him about um, how I could be there for her and how I could be a good friend. Um, and so he really helped me process that. And um, so towards the end of my junior year, uh, uh, her birthday was coming up, so I was preparing a little gift for her. And when my dad found that out, um, he gave me an extra like 40 or 50 bucks to put in her gift. And I know that doesn't sound like much, but um, at the time we were really struggling, right? And so that money could have been dinner for our family for <laughs> you know a good week or something. But um, I think it stuck with me because it was such a good representation of his character. Um, him, him giving money that he didn't even necessarily have um, so that he could bless someone else who needed it more. Um, and so me sharing this story isn't really to sing praises about my dad, although it has been really nice to reflect on this, um, but rather because I think as we try to follow God and uh, learn about what he wants from our lives, it's really helpful to look at other people who have modeled that so well for us. And so today we'll be looking at Barnabas and how he shows us a similar example of what it means to be a blesser. And just to be clear, this is Barnabas the Apostle, not Barabbas the criminal. Um, pastor Jimmy misheard my topic in one of our pastor's meetings and was really confused about why we were talking about Barabbas in a series about blessers. Um, but as I started researching for this sermon, one of the first things that I learned was that Barnabas' first, his real name wasn't actually Barnabas. Um, Acts 4.36, and I think it's going to be on one of our slides here. Sorry, keep hitting the mic. Um, Acts 4.36-37 through 37 tells us that Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. So this guy Joseph was such a good blesser, he actually got renamed Barnabas, or son of encouragement, 
And I think this name should indicate that Barnabas probably had this whole blessing thing down, right? I think for the sake of our series, we could probably call Barnabas the son of blessing. Being the son of encouragement or blessing seems like a pretty high bar to reach, right? But literally the same sentence, it tells us that he sold his property and gave what he had to the church. And this is such powerful imagery because uh, you'll notice in the Bible that the very next uh, verse jumps into the story of Ananias and Sapphira, who, if you remember, also sold property. And they also gave money to the church. But it was all for show, and they lied about how much they had made. And God struck them dead because of it. And that's one of the craziest stories in the New Testament. But I think this, this contrast between the story of Barnabas and the story of Ananias and Sapphira uh, is so incredible. Uh, Barnabas, who blessed with no consideration of himself, and um, the two of them who were deceitful and judged because of it. And this is just our introduction to Barnabas, an encourager who humbly gave what he had to God. Barnabas saw things that other people didn't. He saw God's works and gifts in people. There's two really interesting situations in Barnabas' life where he stood up for people that didn't necessarily seem like they deserved it. Um, our next verse that we're going to be looking at is Acts 9, 26 through 28, which tells us that when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to do- join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was really a disciple that he in this sentence that we're talking about is Saul, later Paul. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul, on his journey, had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. This verse tells us that Saul's, Paul's, conversion to Christianity, Um, that when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the Christians there, but they were all afraid of him and didn't believe what he was saying. And I think that's pretty understandable, right? Uh, Saul had done a lot of terrible things to Christians, and I think most of us in that situation wouldn't have been so quick to trust him either. But this passage tells us that Barnabas wasn't like that. Before Saul was even Paul, Barnabas stood up for him. I think that shows the incredible amount of faith that Barnabas had and how much he was willing to risk to try to serve the Lord. The other disciples could have kicked Barnabas out for defending someone that they didn't trust, or Saul could have been playing the long con, and um, Barnabas and what must have been his friends there could have all ended up hurt uh, because of this decision. However, Barnabas was willing to step out in faith and defend someone that no one else would. Without Barnabas' action here, Paul may never have been, become the incredible character that we know him, from, know him to be. Uh, so Barnabas took that risk, not worrying about what would happen to himself, in order to open the door for Paul. The two of them would go on to travel to Antioch and Lystra and, and a ton of other places, preaching and performing miracles and spreading the gospel. And this kept going on for a long time until something happened. And we actually get to our second example of Barnabas standing up for someone who didn't seem like they should be trusted. Um, There was this guy named John Mark who went on Paul and Barnabas' first missionary journey with them 
the thing was, though, uh, when he went with them, he ducked out pretty quickly because things got tough on that first journey. He was probably discouraged because at the time when he left, they weren't seeing a lot of success um, with their conversion attempts, and uh, they had some demonic opposition against them. So he went home, um, but later, after many more trips, Barnabas suggested that John Mark come with them again. And so let's look at this verse in Acts 15. It says that sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. So the two groups split up, and this was a pretty big deal because Paul and Barnabas had worked together so much before. And after this uh, happened, they're never really described as working together again in the Bible. And so it's hard to know who exactly was right in this situation. Uh, it does seem like Paul, um, Paul probably knew what he was talking about, right? And he probably wanted someone who was dependable and someone who uh, hadn't proven themselves already to be untrustworthy. Um, and the passage does uh, seem to suggest that Paul and Silas were in the right. Um, it says that they were commended by their fellow believers. But later Paul does write that John Mark was useful to the ministry, And it's pretty widely believed that John Mark went on to be the person that wrote the Gospel of Mark. So we see that Barnabas, again, stuck out his neck for someone who um, didn't really seem like they deserved it. And he did it uh, for no personal gain. Him and Paul were close friends and had been through a lot together. But Barnabas was willing to lose all of that to uh, build up someone that he saw potential in. Not only did Barnabas give people second chances, but he also was the definition of a team player. He was always raising up leaders, right? Like we just looked at with Paul and John Mark, and without Barnabas, I don't think either of their ministries would have been successful. During his time with Paul, uh, Barnabas was totally willing to defer to Paul to be the team lead. If you're into sports at all, yeah, you know the value of a good role player, right? We all love watching the superstars, the LeBrons of the world, but If they don't have a good team behind them, then they aren't going anywhere. And so Barnabas was the role player for Paul. Yeah, Barnabas stood up for Paul, and Paul probably learned a lot from Barnabas. But uh, when the Holy Spirit got going in, uh, in Paul's ministry, Barnabas was willing to step aside and be the support player there. We also see that everywhere he went, he was encouraging people. Acts 11, 23 through 24 says, When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them. Encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. This passage finds Barnabas in Antioch, and the believers there are doing well and following God. So he encourages them to keep going and keep doing what God has called them to do. And because of that, he was called a great man, and many more people uh, became believers um, because of that. All of these things, Barnabas giving up his possessions, uh, encouragement, giving second chances, 
And being a team player paints the picture of someone who unconditionally put others before himself. He didn't worry about what he owned or his status or his own well-being nearly as much as he worried about the lives of the people he would affect. Barnabas was aware of the movement of God in the lives of other people and acted as a vessel for God's work here on earth. And as we think about Barnabas, I wonder how often do we accept people who don't seem like they would seem who don't seem like they would fit into the church or give second chances to people who mess up. Do we talk to our Muslim neighbor or new agey coworker who are searching for truth? Um, they're searching for truth, but no one's reaching out to them. Or do we forgive family members who have lied to us or friends who have broken our trust? I think Barnabas would have. He was always standing up for outcasts and making time for people that others wouldn't. To live like Barnabas, we need to give in order for God to work through us. In our culture today, I think it's really hard for us to commit to someone or something that's outside of our own needs and wants. Uh, I've been listening to this podcast recently called This Cultural Moment, and it's hosted by a pastor in Portland called John Mark Comer. And sorry, I know that's confusing. We just talked about another John Mark. But uh, this guy uh, has some really interesting stuff to say, and he talks about uh, how today we live in this hyper-individualistic culture where everything is about ourselves, right? Uh, we do um, everything for ourselves, and every way we measure success um, is based on our own desires. Our goals and career aspirations are largely focused on what we want. And while there's nothing wrong with wanting to better yourself or your life, I think in order to live like Barnabas and live the, the way God wants us to, sometimes we're called to live in a different way. And I think if there's one thing that I'd want you to take away from this message, it's that we are often called to serve the kingdom of God, not by any earthly metric of success, but by being an encouragement in the lives of other people. I'm sure most of us know someone that we would call a blesser or a son of blessing. My dad sure was one. He was always more in tune with other people's needs than his own. He put so much time and energy into witnessing to people and trying to be there for them. And I think a lot of people in our church are also really great at this whole blessing thing too. Um, like Brian Sean comes to mind, who is always doing stuff for the kids' ministry and the leadership board. And uh, yesterday, he spent like two hours with me here at the church just trying to make sure all his slides were right so that he could cover for me upstairs this morning. Um, and someone else that comes to mind is Arjun, who's uh, been a great example of a blesser. As, um, she's helped make our youth room look so awesome and uh, has been helping with the kids' room and all that awesome stuff you see in the stairwell going upstairs is because she got the ball rolling on that. Um, and there's so many people here. Uh, Pastor Jimmy constantly puts other people first and uh, is uh, an incredible team player, always there to uh, try to fix any problem that there might be. And uh, Susan, who um, spent so many hours last year working on VBS, uh, VBS decorations and stuff like that. And Drew, who's at uh, every single event that we have and is always helping out in some way. And these are just a few examples of some of the awesome people and some of the awesome ways that people here at church are uh, paving the way as blessers. Being a blesser takes a lot of time and effort and self-sacrifice, but it's so often one of the coolest ways that we get to serve God. These examples and the life of Barnabas show us that being a blesser isn't always easy, oftentimes not at all. 
Barnabas had to be incredibly brave to stand up for Paul and John Mark. He gave away all he owned and put the development of others before himself. If you've ever been in a situation where you are blessing other people, then you know it's not always easy. It often takes your time and your energy and your money and maybe even your safety. And sometimes we might not even see the payoff for our work. But I think it's safe to say it's all worth it in the end, right? Barnabas led the way for Paul and John Mark and the people of Antioch and tons of other people that we didn't go over. And uh, he helped them have incredible and impactful lives. And they were able to be blessed and then go on to bless other people. Because of people like Brian Chan and all of our other incredible um, uh, children's ministry volunteers, our kids are able to have an incredible time here learning about God. And because of people like Susan and everyone else who helped out with VBS, our kids and our kids from friends' families and new people visiting the church, we're all able to be blessed as well. And all of these things that we do for other people and the self-sacrifice that it takes is worth something and is an incredible way we get to serve God. So going forward, I invite you to continue looking for ways you can be a blesser. Look for people in your lives that you can build up and pour into. Look for ways you can extend grace and encouragement to people who need it. Don't necessarily look for a way to be in charge or to lead. And while that stuff may be important, uh, sometimes the situation might not call for it, right? Maybe this is the time that God is looking for you to be a team player. Um, so I think we'll be singing one more worship song if the band wants to come up. But let's pr- close in prayer before we do so. Dear Lord, thank you for the encouragement and blessing you give us through the lives of other people. Thank you for people like Barnabas, who are always there to give their support. Lord, I pray that you continue to use all of us to bless the lives of those around us. Help us to be aware of your work that is being done in the lives of others, so that we can be sons and daughters of blessing. In your name we pray. Amen. May the Lord bless you this week, and may he use you to bless the lives of others. Thank you. Thank you.